Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. Good morning, everybody. Uh, glad that you're here with us at Central, and uh, today we're continuing a series in our Christmas series talking about Jesus being the light. Um, and I have a theory. I believe that every single person is afraid of the dark. Uh, you can try to convince me that you're not afraid of the dark, um, but I just don't believe that it's possible that in some way, shape, or form we're not afraid. I, I know even, even at my stage of life as an adult, I'm afraid of the dark at least a little bit. Uh, and if you really think that you're not afraid of the dark, it tells me that you didn't live where I grew up. Um, I grew up out in the middle of the woods. Uh, it was pitch black all the time. Um, and I think about my house, and when I was when I was growing up, we had this kitchen sink. And uh, if you went to go do the dishes, which I didn't do the dishes very often, but maybe I go wash my hands or whatever. But if you go to, to that sink at nighttime, it was kind of terrifying. Because you would look out, there was a, a window right at that sink. We never put up blinds or anything like that. Uh, but you'd look out that window, and you wouldn't know if somebody was out there. You, you could look out there and be like, there, there might be somebody right outside that window right now. Tell Somebody could have had their face up to the window. An axe murderer could have been there, and you would not have known. And so I was always, I was always terrified. Like, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I'm, there's somebody there. I know it. They're going to kill me. And so it's like just this fear of the dark that I had. I still am scared of the dark. I'm not going to lie. There's still parts of me that get scared of the dark. In fact, a couple years ago this happened. I, t- I talked about this about three years ago in a sermon. Figured it was time to talk about it again. Okay, this is my fear of the dark story. Uh, we would go to, uh, every year we take kids to this camp, Bible camp called Spencer Lake in Wapaka, Wisconsin. And when we get there, um, the girls have one side of the camp and the boys have another side of the camp for their, the places that they stay. The girls have two motels that they have. And what happens is every, every day before service, all the girls are getting ready to go to service. And so they're dolling themselves up. And so they're plugging in curling irons and plugging in blow dryers. And girls do. I don't know what they do. But they put all this stuff in and they, it just, all the fuses bust. They all bust. And so uh, they, they busted it one time. And it was my girls at the motel. They, they busted the fuse. And so I'm like, okay, I got to go and I got to figure out how to take care of this. Luckily, I've been there a lot. And so I, I knew you got to go down to the back of the basement at, the, at this hotel. And you got to go and find the fuse box in this little room. And so I go to the office. Because here's the thing. I don't go to this basement ever. Like, I just don't enter the basement at this place. And so I get there, and uh, I, tell, I tell the guys in the office, I'm like, guys, I don't go to this basement. Who's coming with me? And one of the guys, he was, his name is Cole. He was a youth pastor, and he was also a kid in my youth group back in the day. And so he's like, hey, Kellen, I'll go with you. And so he's like, okay. Uh, I'm, we go to the back of this motel, and I'm trying to open the back door. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I, okay, I can't see it. Here, here's my phone. I give it to him, and he starts, he gets the flashlight out, and he's pointing at the, the doorknob so I can actually open this thing up. I open up the door. He's still got the flashlight, and it goes down into a dungeon. It's just an absolute dungeon down there. And so we go down there, and we get to the bottom, of it, and there's another door that goes into this basement, and it's cracked open. And I'm thinking, all right, this thing's cracked open. There's somebody down here 
already dead or waiting to kill me. I'm terrified at this point. And so what happens, we, we open the door, and I'm like, Cole, you go in first. You got the light. Because that's what scared people do. They tell other people to go and die first. And so he goes in there. And the weirdest thing about this basement is the light switch is not right there when you walk in. It's halfway into the room. And so he goes, and he gets... He goes walking, and we're, we're walking through all this stuff, and he finds the light switch, turns it on. All right, good. We're good now. I'm not going to die. And I'm thinking, okay, I was probably overreacting for all the fear that I had. I go and find the utility room where the fuse box is. We go to the fuse box. He's standing at the door, and he's kind of, the, the fuse box room, it's, it's dark, and so he's shining a light on the fuse box. And I find the fuse, I hit it, and I'm like, there, that should do it. And right at that moment, I realized I was about to, for real, die. Because I heard a door shut. And then it, everything went black. And I heard somebody running away. My friend Cole had shut the door. And he started, the guy never ran a, a day in his life. Didn't even run two steps in all the time I knew him. And I hear running. And so I find my, my way to the door. I open it up. And I see him booking as fast as he can through this basement. And I'm like, what is he doing? And then, the, and then it just, it all flashes right before my eyes. He gets to the light switch, and he turns it off. And I'm thinking, oh no, I'm dead. He's got my flashlight. He has now turned off all the lights. It is dark in here. He runs a little bit further ahead. And he's just about to get out the door, and I'm running after him. And I can't take the, I can't take the fear anymore. And I just yell, and I'm like, Cole, that's my only light! And he drops laughing right there. I got him to stop somehow, but he stopped, and he's just dying laughing. I get up to him. We're both dying laughing for a little while. And the fear that I had in that moment, I can't even tell you guys. You think I'm joking? It was absolutely real. Because I was thinking, I'm going to be down here for like 10 days, and whatever's down here is going to feast on my flesh. That's how scared I was of that basement in the dark. But what I realized later, in my terror, I ran right by the light switch. Ran right by the light switch. Didn't even think twice about it. And we live, all of us, in a really awfully dark world. It's a dark world that we live in. And like me, in that basement that night, a lot of us don't really realize that light has entered our world. We live in an incredibly dark world, incredibly dark times, and we, we forget that light has entered our world. And many of us, we, even as we follow Jesus, we can't help but get sidetracked by the darkness that surrounds us. It gets all-encompassing. It takes us over. It's like we're living with our eyes wide open, but we can't see everything. It's like when we get up in the middle of the night and you try to go to the bathroom and you bump your shins on everything because it's just dark. And that's the way it feels like how we're walking through this world sometimes. How do we let the light of Jesus be our guide in a world that isn't getting any brighter on its own? How is the presence of the light of Jesus meant to transform our presence in this everyday life that we're living? And see, on the night that Jesus was born, there were, there were some, some guys out in a the field. They were tending to their sheep. And every single one of us, we know, we know a part probably of this story, of the Christmas story, about the shepherds. The shepherds were out in the fields one night, and there was darkness all around them. Everything was dark. And all of a sudden, the light shined down upon them. And so what I want us to do is I want us to take a look at the story, and I want you to imagine putting yourself in the place of the shepherds on this night. A lot of what we're going to do, um, 
is, is really try to dig into how did it feel, what was it like that night for these shepherds. And so we're going to take a look at Luke chapter, 20, uh, chapter 2, 8 through 20. It's, it's a little bit of a long passage, uh, but it's Christmas season, so we're reading stuff from the Christmas story. So let's dig in and listen to it. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us all about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been, had been told about them, about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So who were these shepherds that were out in this field on that night? Uh, They probably were fairly old boys or young men. Uh, They weren't very old. And probably the, the toughest thing for them is they were not a very trusted group of guys. They were pretty untrustworthy. Now, were they untrustworthy because they were, were not great dudes? No, that's probably not the case. Uh, they were just young. You know, I, my wife, Crystal, her, her father did not, did not trust me for a really long time, and I didn't, I didn't understand it. I thought I was a pretty upstanding dude, uh, but then I turned in, into my 40s, and I was like, oh, yeah, I get why you didn't trust 16-year-old Kellen, okay? Young men in the room, it's it's nothing against you, but sometimes we have to grow into our trustworthiness. And that's kind of the situation that these shepherds were in. But while they were supposedly untrustworthy, these were the guys, these were the first people to be entrusted with the good news about Jesus being born. That's good news for us, I think. Maybe you're not trusted by people in your life right now. Maybe you're, you're saying, man, I feel like the shepherds a little bit. But you're the exact type of person that God wants to come to first. He wants to trust you with the good news about his son, Jesus. There's nothing more that that God wants to do than to trust you with that good news. Now, shepherds weren't just not trusted. In the year uh, zero, they also were dishonorable outcasts in the nation of Israel. Now, why is that? It's because their job of shepherding these sheep, it made them unclean. Uh, they, were, they were unclean where they couldn't go to the temple, they couldn't be purified, and so they were constantly in a place of being seen as dishonorable to everybody. Now that might, that might not mean much to you. We don't live in a religious society like that. But there are people that we look at as being unclean sometimes. Maybe you've been around people that you wish they showered a little bit more. Think about how you view people that, that are like that. Uh, Think about people that are walking around drunk, visibly drunk, or high on drugs. Sometimes when I've been around situations like that, it's made me really uncomfortable. And it's sometimes it's tough for us to see people as anything but unclean. We've got plenty of other reasons why we see people as unclean. That's what these shepherds lived like. That's what they felt like all the time. But there's a really ironic thing that happens in this story. 
The shepherds were most likely watching over the very lambs that would be sacrificed for the forgiveness of sins later that year. You think about that. These guys who are not even allowed to go to the temple and they are raising these sheep, taking care of these sheep that are going to later on be slaughtered for the forgiveness of sins. They maybe are the sheep that are going to be slaughtered uh, for the Passover meal. We don't know uh, from this passage if this is even the winter time uh, that this has taken place. Most of you probably know December 25th. It's, it's not, there's not a biblical reason why we celebrate Jesus' birth on that, on that day. But there is good reason to think that this is happening sometime in the winter. Uh, winter in Judea is very mild. And so it, it could very well be the case that these shepherds are out in the middle of the night tending to these sheep in the fields. Now I want you to think about that. The, these unclean shepherds tending to these sheep, these sheep who are going to be killed for the Passover, for the forgiveness of sins, these shepherds who are tending these sheep are now being introduced to Jesus who is going to be that lamb, that sheep, who is going to be crucified, slaughtered, once for all time. Because of this baby that they're being introduced to, these sheep are no longer going to have the same job that they're supposed to have in the future. Jesus is the one who's taking on that final death. And here's the thing. What I love about this part of this story is it shows me that God weaves such an intricate story throughout Scripture about people. And he is weaving an intricate story for you and me. He's weaving a really intricate story that sometimes we don't see every part of it right now. But there is something that God is doing in you. You, you can see it. If, if he's willing to do this with the shepherds, these, these people who are mistreated, who are seen as unworthy, untrustworthy, what is he doing in our lives? And that's one of the things about the light of Jesus touching your life. The longer that Jesus' light comes to rest on your life, the more beauty you'll find that he's been doing all along that was hidden from your sight. The light of Jesus does something in our lives that, you know, maybe, maybe right now you don't see what God is doing, but five, ten years from now, as you continue to follow after Jesus, I believe that as we follow after him, he does things in our lives now that we will see later on down the road. So these shepherds, uh, they're on the fields at night. This angel appears to them. And the Bible talks about how the glory of the Lord shone around them. There is this bright light that takes place and shines down on these shepherds. So I want you to imagine this scene for a minute. Remember, uh, at this time, there's, there's no electricity has been invented. That's not for like another 1,800 some odd years. I don't know how, when it got invented, but it's going to be a long time. And so they have never seen anything but this beautiful, dark, starry sky at night. Uh, I grew up in the North Woods, and so I used to always think that I, I saw the, the beautiful starry sky better than anybody else that lived down south where there was more light. And then I went out into the mountains, and I realized I hadn't ever seen the starry sky exactly quite like it is. Every night, these, these shepherds got to see the sky looking like that. Absolute pitch black. And now you've got this incredibly bright light, a light like they've never seen before, comes and shines down on them. You know, the Old Testament, there's a, a plenty of situations where, where the, the glory of God comes as a bright light. And that's how the glory of God came to these, to these shepherds. It didn't come to the temple. It didn't come to a bunch of, of prophets or, or priests. 
It came to these outcast shepherds. God's story was going to continue. And it was, it was going to continue through this tiny baby named Jesus who was being born to a little Jewish girl and her carpenter fiancé. You know, you look at this story, and this story is full of people who are just ordinary people. People like you and me, that God is, is willing to and wanting to work in and do things in. And so I, I kind of doubt that in this moment the shepherds really realize exactly what was happening. The glory of God has returned. The light of God has returned. And it's available to anyone who wants it. Even to a lowly shepherd. Again, I don't think they understood everything that was happening right here. And I think the Bible makes it clear that they, they were shocked. The Bible says they were literally terrified. They were like, I was when I was going through that basement at the camp. Terrified of what they were seeing. They had never seen a bright light like this. In fact... They had never gotten, they never gotten to watch a scary movie, a sci-fi movie where aliens came. So they probably don't have it in their brain like this is an alien. What in the world were they thinking had just visited them when this bright light came? Uh, I can imagine the fear. The Bible even talks about that fear. And so what happens is this angel probably sees all the fear on, on the face of, of these shepherds. And so the angel says not to be afraid. In fact, what he did is he gave them a message of hope, a message to give them courage. Uh, I wonder if any of you guys have ever been in a situation where you were terrified that something had happened to somebody that you loved. Maybe you've been in a spot where you're waiting for somebody to arrive and it was taking them longer than it was supposed to. And then you started to get a little bit worried. And then maybe you heard some sirens and all of a sudden you're like, what's, what's going on? I'm, I'm getting a little bit worried. Um, and so you pick up the phone and you call. And, and if, if, if I'm calling my wife in one of these situations, and I've had these situations before, but if I'm calling my wife in one of these situations, she won't pick up. She never answers her phone. And so I just get more terrified. Uh, but then that moment where they pick up the phone, they answer it, and they're like, they're like, what's up? The light that floods in to your soul, the moment that you hear that what's up, it's like the best thing ever, right? And that's what, that's what this angel is trying to help these these uh, shepherds understand. Like, no, this is something good. And so in the story, he says, I'm bringing you good tidings. Now, the, the word that, that Luke actually uses for good tidings, it's the same word that is usually translated as gospel or good news. Euangelizo. And, and if, you, if you look at the word, you'd see that it has a base in our word that we use for evangelize. What is evangelize? It's telling people about Jesus. It's telling people the good news. And so, He's saying, don't be afraid. I'm bringing you really, really, really good news about something that is going to change your life and bring you joy like you've never had before. But I want you to follow me for a second here because sometimes I think we get way too used to living in darkness. We live in a dark world and it's really easy for us to just see the darkness around us. It gets comfortable. It even becomes the status quo. And while living in a dark world, I think good news actually can be scary to some people. Good news gets scary. I think having light shine on us can make us realize how dark our own hearts have become. And so, so light coming in, it, can, it sometimes can scare us away from some things. It, it can be, it's, light's supposed to be the opposite of scary, but sometimes it becomes scary. These shepherds, again, they were used to pitch blackness out there. And that had become the comfortable thing for them. In fact, 
their eyes would adjust so much to being out in the pitch black that they could see out in the field. They could see their sheep walking around even though it was dark outside. I think it's a, a, I think it's a good illustration of what we sometimes become like in this dark world. Things become really easy for us to just see this world in its darkness and get comfortable with it. And so then when the bright light of Jesus shines, all of a sudden these, these shepherds, they, they were, they're their pupils needed time to, to readjust. And so they're squinting and they're looking and they're, they're covering their eyes. Just like sometimes when the light of Jesus enters into our darkness, it gets even more uncomfortable because we've gotten used to the darkness of the world around us. So he, he floods them with this light. Sometimes I think that we don't want to invite the light of Jesus into our lives because we've gotten comfortable. How have we gotten comfortable with the darkness? But this angel, I think, makes a point that we need to reconcile here. The light of Jesus doesn't bring fear and condemnation. The light of Jesus brings joy, and it brings it to all people. He says this in verse 10. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. For everybody. The news that, that this angel is bringing, it is good news for everybody. See, I don't think that God wants to take us out of this dark world. In fact, I think that we're meant to live in this darkness and sometimes experience some of that darkness. Uh, but Jesus means to give us light. Sometimes, sometimes we don't always understand what that light does for our life, what it, what it looks like. And I think the plan is to, to allow us to experience that darkness so that God can give us a certain amount of light so that we can begin to trust him a little bit more. The, the light that, that, that Jesus gives us, it's not always like a floodlight at first. I, you know, I've, had, I've been talking with my kids at times where they're going through something difficult and they're like, Dad, I've been praying and asking God to take care of this and to help me in this situation. And I don't feel like he's doing anything. And I'm like, yeah, welcome to life. That, that's how it feels sometimes and it stinks. But sometimes I think that Jesus doesn't mean to sh shine a whole floodlight on our situation. I think sometimes Jesus means to give us a little light, a little flicker of a light, just enough to help us go, go the next step. Why does he do it that way? I think sometimes he does it that way because maybe he wants us not to see everything right now the way that he sees everything so that we can begin to learn to trust him. It would, it would be awesome if the light of Jesus just shined down on us like this bright light like the shepherds got. But that's not always how it is. And it's okay if you're in a situation where you're experiencing a lot of darkness right now and it feels like you're asking Jesus to give you help and to shine light and it doesn't feel like it's happening. It's not the end of the world. Trust Jesus. I guarantee Jesus is going to give you enough light to get you through what you need to get through. Okay, so then the angel continues to explain to the shepherds how this child can be found. In, in, in Jewish times back at this time, uh, when a prophet would say, here's what's going to happen, they would give, they would, they would say, this is exactly what's going to happen. And there would be a sign so that when somebody found what they were looking for, they would see that sign and be like, oh yeah, that's what happened. And so he says, here's the sign. You're going to see a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. You're not going to go to a palace to find this king. You're not going to see a king that's wrapped up in robes. You're going to see a king who is in swaddling clothes, laying in the food trough of an, of an animal. This revealed to the, to the shepherds that this Messiah, though he was a king, 
in some ways, he was just like them, poor and humble. Time and time again, we see the theme that Jesus is not focused on the elite, but he identifies with those who don't consider themselves special. Even Jesus, Paul talks about in Philippians 2, Jesus said he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. Can you imagine how these shepherds felt when they have been, they have been outcast to all the elites all, all of their lives? And now this king comes into the world and he is, he's not just welcoming them in, but he's like them in so many respects. Jesus is born of lowly position because what matters most is not one's status in the world. What matters most is a person's place with God. You know, and sometimes we get too caught up in our status. And I think this whole story is saying status means nothing. We're welcomed as we are. And so, then the angel is joined by a bunch of other angels up in the sky. And they start singing praises to God. Everything else has been weird already for the shepherds. I can't imagine how weird it's now gotten. All of a sudden, angels everywhere up in the sky. And they're just singing and praising God. At this point, I'm looking at my shepherd buddies. I'm like, what'd you put in the food? Like, this is, this is incredible. Um, but then, as fast as it came, all of a sudden... The angels leave. They just leave them high and dry. Can you, can you just imagine sitting out there in that field and you're experiencing this and then all of a sudden they leave and it's like, what just happened? Like, I can't, I can't put myself in that spot to imagine what, they were, what was really going through their minds. But they have a decision to make. They have a decision that they can, they can either believe like, there's a young baby that was born before Jesus named John and his dad was told by an angel, you're going to have a son. Your, your wife is really old and she's going to have a son, the first son that she's ever had. And he's like, I don't, how, I'm, how am I supposed to believe that? He doubted. But then Jesus uh, was going to come into the world and, and an angel came to Mary and said, you're going to have a child. And she believed. So these shepherds, they can do one of the, those two things. They can, have, they can doubt it, what the angels told them, or they can believe and the Bible is clear that they immediately believed and went off into Bethlehem. And they looked around for this baby. And they came finally to this place where they, they found this baby, just like the shepherds were told by the angel. In swaddling clothes, in a manger. Uh, the shepherds went about finding this Jesus. But then they knew that that wasn't enough. It wasn't just enough that they found Jesus. Now they had to, they had to go on. Their life had to be different from this point forward. The, the, the task was not done. And so in verses 17 and 18, it says this. When they had seen Jesus, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. See, the light of Jesus entering the world, it brings amazement when we really experience it. Right, worship team, you guys can come back up here. We're, we're going to be done in a minute. Um, when we really experience Jesus, there is an amazement that comes with it that changes us. It changes us to the point that we're different, but also what we do with other people becomes different. These guys went and they told people about the amazement they had seen in Jesus. At the end of the story in verse 20, we read that these, these shepherds, they returned to their flocks. They returned to their fields. They were, but they were different. They were not the same. They were now full of hope. They were now out there in that field and they were just like the angels were praising God. Now they were praising God. Experiencing the light of Jesus will forever change you. 
It's experiencing true grace when it's the last thing that you deserve. It's finding that there's light all around you in the middle of the darkest circumstances imaginable. It's knowing that you're lacking anything spectacular about you, but still you're the one that Jesus comes running after. This world needs the light of Jesus. This world is in a dark place. It's been in a dark place since early on in Genesis. You and I, we all live in that darkness. We're not going to get taken out of that darkness until the day we see Jesus face to face. But I do believe this. I believe that we can experience the amazing light of Jesus every single day in our lives. Now, some of you, you might be thinking, you know what, I, I've, been, I've been trying to experience Jesus, but I don't feel like I've experienced him in such a way that it's really changed me yet. My prayer this morning is that you can walk out of here and this week, the light of Jesus starts to take over your life in a way that you've never experienced before. Every single one of us needs that. We need to be changed. And the only thing that really changes us is Jesus. He has absolutely everything that you need to be, to be different. When we really experience him as he is, I think also what's going to happen is we're, gonna, we're not going to have another option other than doing what the shepherds did, which is going full force after Jesus, telling people about this Jesus that makes a difference in our lives. I believe when we experience that amazingness, that's just going to come forward. And so that's what Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.